1: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Absent Minded, recorded here in Sweden with a guest from Montreal. Uh, thank you, Jared, and and really, we should all be thanked today after what happened in in Montreal last night. At least on the ice, uh,
1: that that was not a, a very good game. Uh, I I wrote I wrote on Twitter that it might have been the worst game I have ever seen the Montreal Canadiens play. Um and yeah, I I don't I, I yeah it was a it was a bad game. I, I keep, I keep thinking this team is going to hit rock bottom, uh, and they they manage to keep finding a way to dig <laughs> and give and give worse performances somehow.
0: I'm actually uh, wondering if if um, the two teams that are having playoff series in order to to get promoted to SHL would have beaten Montreal last night because it was atrocious the game. I I'll be honest and 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 it it hurts to say it, but with the with the, one of the penalties that was taken in the third period in, in the offensive zone, I was just going to rest my eyes a little bit when I was riding the TSM or top six minutes. And I i, I kid you not, I fell asleep. Like I didn't wake up in time after. Like I was just going to rest my eyes. And, it, you know, it was the best part of the game. I fell asleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it's one of those things where you, they need a spark, and I, that, those are the games where Brendan Gallagher was, was really important, and they asked, they asked Dominic Ducharme after the game, they're like, are you missing his, his energy? How do, you, how do you fix missing his energy? And he's like, you know, you're not going to change a player's DNA, right? No, someone's not going to become instantly Brendan Gallagher, but what he said and, and what I found interesting is that he said, we, we need everybody to give a little bit more. And, and I think that's, that's the way that they're, they're going to go through this. And, you know, he said, you know, we're, we're, we're in it together and we'll get out of it together. And, you know, it's, they're not in a bad spot. They're not a bad team. They're going to eventually, you know, get it to click. It's just, it's hard to watch in the meantime, but eventually they're going to start building on, on what they have. and, And maybe it's, you know, the road trip, maybe that's what they need you know, the last few years, they've played better on the road than, than at the bell center. So maybe that will help. And, and obviously there's no fans. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, see what happens. Obviously, you know, on the road, they're actually able to spend time together. Right. Whereas uh when they're at home, they, they aren't able to other than at the rink. So it, it will be Interesting to see what what will happen, but yeah, I, I think that this team need. They're not going to play this bad every game. It, it's gonna it's gonna click eventually. It's just the growing pains are hard to watch.
0: You you sure? That they I would. Fix it?
1: Uh, <laughs> I I I I, th- I feel like I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think they'll turn it around. I, I don't think they'll play this bad the rest of year.
0: The, the thing uh, is, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll go on record and say that.
0: The thing is, though, that when you look at it. And you see a game like this, and and you you know that Calgary has to win out more or less in order to to uh, to get the, the playoff spot. But really, when 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 you see Montreal play a game like this, is it really worth for them to get into the playoffs?
1: Yes, I, I think it is because I think that this team, you know, you look what happened last year. Uh, I I don't think this is a draft that you really care if you're picking. 13, 14, 15 for 20th. I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I, I really don't. So yeah, no, I, I I think that you know, you you know, as bad as Montreal's playing, they play better against good teams. They play better when they're challenged. So look how they played against Toronto on Monday. Uh, and then compare that to how they they, they played against Calgary and, and Ottawa and two non playoff teams. So yeah, I, I think you, you know, you you play to win the game. I, I said this last year, when when the postseason was was happening, and they they lost a uh, you know a potential top ten pick. Uh, and I'll say it now: uh, you play to win the game, and that uh, yeah, I, I don't think draft position is is even worth thinking about uh, at this point. I, I think that you you play to pl- make the playoffs, and I think they will make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that it's you know all they have to, be able to really do is win one game in Calgary, and. And they'll, you know, they can play five hundred against everybody else, and they'll be fine. So I, I think that that's that's what's going to happen, and that's what will, um, you know, just about getting your game right for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and uh, you also have to remember, and not to get off topic here, but it's not really an excellent draft this year. But let's be honest. No,
1: it's 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 not a very good draft, and you know, especially after the top five, you know, you can make a case where the top five. Well, the top five is.
0: The, the the top five is still not top five in any other right. aircraft.
1: Right. No, it, it's not last year. That's for sure. Yeah. It's not, not it's, even not, not even twenty nineteen.
0: And it's not going to be next year either, because next year is going to be absolutely stacked. So so it's it's yeah. part of that. But either or, uh, I mean, like looking at it, um, you you touched on it. It's the leadership group. We, we we hear about this great leader, Shea Weber. But but can we? I mean. He has to stare. Sure, uh, I get frightened through the TV screen uh, from his stare. But I mean, it doesn't seem like the opposing players are, are that frightened of him. It doesn't seem that the refs are that frightened of him anymore. And and he he the, the opposing players are jumping on him for for turnovers, uh, and the refs are calling maybe minors that they wouldn't have called a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, you know, talk talk to anybody who played with Shea Weber, and they'll say he leads by example, right? He leads by his play on the ice. He leads by, you know, how he carries himself, and you know, while he's, I assume he's he's carrying himself like he usually does, his play on the ice is not what it usually is, and and that's tough, and and I and you know it's. It's funny because people talk about, oh, you know, he's such a good leader. And it's basically the opposite of what they say about Max Pacioretty, right? But if you're a real leader, right, it doesn't matter if you have an A or a C, right? Like Brendan Gallagher, no one's saying that he, you know, it's, it's it's not like he has to be captain to be the leader of this team. And look what's happening when he's out of the lineup right now. So, you know, if, if Pacioretty's leadership was so bad that he needed to trade him, you know, why wasn't Weber leading then, <laughs> right? Like they are both on the same team. So I, I kind of feel like it's, it's a you know, you need to have a good leadership group. Absolutely. But I, I think that obviously uh, whatever, you know, the veterans on this team, for whatever reason, are not leading right now. There's there's no, there's nobody who's stepping up other than maybe Yoel Armia and Josh Sanderson, Tyler Toffoli, maybe like, Who's who's stepping up? Nobody is stepping up. And I don't want to put that on Weber, even though he's not playing well either. But nobody's playing well.
0: There's, Sometimes there's no... you have to also, as a leader, take a step back. And and you mentioned it, and I think yeah, Andrew mentioned it on his hit on 690 this morning. It's Sunday, by the way, if you're listening on this on Monday. But, but um, he said that he wanted to play more. And and sometimes you need a leader to say I'm going to take a step back because that is the best for my team. Uh, no matter if it's in business or if it's in in school or if it's in 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 sports.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. All players want to play, right? You you ask anybody yeah, 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 if you want course. to. Play. But I, I think that I think that it, he'll understand if you know if, if he gets taken off the power play as an example. Uh, when when you know if ever Gustafson gets in the lineup. I, I think he'll understand it i don't think he'll complain about it but i mean yeah if you ask him he'll say he'll want to play but he's you know hockey players play with like broken legs and stuff like it's they're they're, they're not they're not always correct <laughs> like you know they're not they're not smart like no i'm not gonna say they're not smart but they they don't think about it that way right their their value comes on being on the ice and that's how they think and that's just hockey culture and especially the the older hockey culture and you know that's that's fine but you know people look at basketball and load management as like a penalty right it's it's weird to think about that but yeah i i don't expect anything different from hockey players to be honest and and that's not a knock on weber i'm not going to hold that against them because that's just the way it is it, it's up to the coaching staff and management to to build a team around them and like right now you know, maybe you can make the case for it when John Merrill come. You know, comes to the lineup. Eric Gustafson is out of quarantine. They're both out of quarantine and on the West Coast trip. That yeah, maybe he'll you know sit a game or you know deal with his an injury if he's playing hurt or whatever. But right now, I mean, what's the option? There is no option. They can't call anybody up. So you know, it, it's there. There's you know, there's not many. There's not much option. You have to play with the team that you have and. You know that's that's everybody who's on the roster right now. That, that's all you can do. You know there, there isn't there is another option right now.
0: Yeah, and you, and you touched on 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 the next transition, really. And, and let's transition into that because last night uh, after the game, uh, Deshaun was asked the question if he would make any lineup changes, and he said he can't. And can you explain that to us?
1: Yeah. So basically. After starting the day of the trade deadline, it's not even after deadline. Starting the day of the trade deadline, you're allowed to make three, really four, but let's say three recalls, um, from from your taxi squad or a you know AHL team regularly. But to, now it's a taxi squad, and so what happened was the Canadians have been dealing with their cap management throughout the season. They sent down Paul Byron. And Jake Evans and Alexander Romanov, Romanov, to create some some salary cap room like they have all year, and they used the recalls to call up Byron, to call up Wallett and to call up uh, Romanov, and and Evans as well. But what happened was, when they called up Wallette, they uh, that counted as a regular call up because Victor Mette was still on the roster at the time. So they had their six D. So it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't a, a an emergency call up. Evans, because Armia is hurt, counted as an emergency call up. So right there, they use up three call ups of the four. And the reason why you don't want to use the fourth call up is if you are at three call ups, and this is where the playoffs come into play. And I'm going to try to explain this as as best I can. When, when you have three call-ups like the Canadians currently do, it means that you're able to make as many recalls as you want in the playoffs. The caveat being that only three of the player that you call up, Paul Byron, Alexander Romanov, and Xavier Willett can play. So if you assume that Willett is not going to be in the lineup and it would take a lot of injuries for him to be in the lineup, then you have basically an option to play Byron, Romanov, and whoever you want to call up in any given game. If Romanov, let's say, uh, is passed on the depth chart by Marilyn Gustafson, then in that case, you can call up two people and play them with Byron. Or vice versa, if Byron is, is uh, out of the, the lineup, then you can play Romanov and two other call-ups. Where it gets tricky and where you don't want to use the fourth call-up is that the fourth call up, if you make it now, you can't call anybody up in the postseason. That's it. You have basically your roster that you have now with Willett, Byron, Romanov, and the fourth person that you call up. In the playoffs, you can't call anybody up unless there's an injury, and then it would be emergency recall. So when Dominic Ducharme says that they can't call anybody up without an injury, that's that's why they're they're saying that. And they're they're playing, they're keeping their last call up for the playoffs, is essentially what's happening right now.
0: So so they essentially called up Cole Cowfield to sell a bit more jerseys.
1: No, I, I think that there's value in having him play with the taxi squad. Like Joel Bouchard said, you know, Cole Caulfield has never been at an NHL training camp. He's never played been around NHL players, he's never uh been, you know, been to an NHL game as part of the team. So if, if you plan on using those extra call-ups after the end of the season, in the playoffs, to call up a guy like Caulfield, at least now he's going to have been around the team. He, he's been to practices. He's watched film with the team. He knows what is going on. He's not going to be thrown into the fire. So, no, I think that there's, especially given Laval's not playing right now, there's 100% reason for Caulfield to, to learn the ropes. What this does is this stops people saying, oh, call him up. <laughs> Why aren't you playing him? You're wasting him. What's going on? So, you know, it it from that perspective. But no, I, I I wouldn't say it's wasted to call Caulfield up. Caulfield up. I, I think there's 100% value in that.
0: So you're comparing it a little bit to Romanov coming in and, and playing uh, with the squad during the um, bubble last year?
1: Absolutely. And, and there's the added benefit that he can actually play in games if you wanted to.
0: Right? And, so... And- and you get a chance to evaluate him, as you mentioned, for mm-hmm. NHL players or, or against NHL players.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I would say it's more similar to Alex Belzil than it is to Romanov, because Romanov we knew that he couldn't play. Like it, it's good for this season, right? Like it, it, I think it did help Romanov a lot. Uh, there's value to just watching, right? But the the added benefit to Caulfield is that he's able to play, it, it, and so Belzil. He was always in the lineup. Um sorry, he was not in the lineup. He never played in the NHL before, but they they felt okay putting him into lineup in the in the postseason when you know he you they needed to you know get a spark and things like that. So yeah, I, I think that there's there's it's a little bit like Romano, but I there, the added benefit is that he, he would be eligible to play uh if they don't make that fourth recall. Um so and, and I want to say as well, if somebody gets hurt, they can call somebody up. So it, it's not like they're they're stuck, even if somebody gets hurt. But yeah, that that's that's basically the reasoning right now.
0: Where would you put Carl Calfield? He had an uh, like the few games he's played with Laval, he's been outstanding. But where would you put him in the lineup
1: in in Montreal? Good question. Uh, where would I put him in the lineup? Look at the right side. Uh, you're not going to put him with Tatar and Dano. That's that's the definite not not a place for him. Would you put him with Toffoli and Suzuki and, and, you know, move Armia off that line? That's a possibility. Would you move him with Drouin and Kotkaniemi and move Anderson off that line? Again, that's a possibility. Uh, The other option, would you put him with Byron and, 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 uh, and Eric Stahl? I, I don't think I'd put him there necessarily. Uh, I I I you know where would you put Corey Perry afterward? Like there's a lot of things to keep in mind, but I, I think that there's a spot. You definitely put him on the power play. <laughs> I think that that's definitely where you where you would put him. But I, they have options, right? I, I think you can put him with stall. You can put him with Suzuki. You can put him with Kanyemi, and those would all be in positions for him to succeed. You put him with offensive players, uh, and you know where his defense is not going. You know you put him with Dano and Tatar. That's, you know, he's going to be asked to play against top lines of to the other team. That's not what you want to do with a guy who's never played in the NHL before. But I think if you put him with, you know, Toffoli, Suzuki or, or Drew and or, you know, even Anderson kotkiniemi you know, the, any combination of those guys, uh, Byron and, and Stahl and or Evans, if if they want to do that. Yeah, I think anywhere you can put him in, uh, it would have benefits. And, and, you know, you wouldn't put him necessarily in a defensive zone right away or or in, you know, when you're holding a lead, you know, you wouldn't necessarily put him with Arturi Lekkinen <laughs> on a line or, or things like that. But I think that there's definite uh, room for him and, and there's a place for him. Um, I don't know if there's an ideal spot, but yeah, I would say any line of Suzuki or Yemi would probably be the ideal place to put him.
0: And and obviously he has the chance with practices to find the chemistry with some of these players that we don't really yeah. we we cannot obviously not observe it but but it's interesting anyway. In regards to to other things, when you when when you looked at the game and I, I watched the last Calgary game and I watched the the Senators game, um, but it, there are some kind of of struggles here with the team. There is no tactical acumen. It it doesn't seem that way right now. It's it's. You know, there is no circle. There is—they're not trying to get around certain things. Like, create pressure down low. They create a little bit of pressure down low, then back to the defenders for a slap shot. It's essentially how how Montreal plays, unless they get a breakaway. That—that's that's essentially how Montreal plays. And why are like? What can we do to change this? Or what can I, they I,
1: do? I, because we I, can't I, do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we can't do anything. Well, I mean, maybe not unfortunately. I, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd handle that responsibility well. But I, I think, I almost think what's happening is that they're focusing on different parts of the game, right? They're, they're still putting in a new system under Dominic Ducharme. He's coached, what, 24 games or something like that? It's, it's not a very long time. They've, ha- they've had hardly any practices. So I, I think that they're trying to perfect different parts of their game and, and what's happening is that one of the things that they're trying to per- perfect and, and one of the things they've talked about since Ducharme took over is, is going, is puck support, uh, outlet passes, being there for teammates and, and kind of going in and uh, playing as a team and, and being there for passes. And I think what happens is that when you're at different stages of learning that, it looks like what it looks like right now. Where, you know, if you're Ben Chirot and you're behind your net and you're expecting somebody to help you with an outlet, but the forward is, you know, outside the blue line, you're going to look like you're lost. You're going to look like you've never had a practice before. So I, I think that that's a lot of it is that they're trying to perfect a system of puck support. And what's happening is that people are on different stages of learning it and they look like they're, you know, chasing their tail. And, and I think that that's an issue and you know maybe some of it is 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 coaching and how it's getting through to players maybe it's you know they're emphasizing the wrong things maybe it, it's so hard to understand because they they look better <laughs> they, they like they they. there's no reason for them to look so much worse than they did 10 games ago there's there's no reason for it so i i don't understand and it's hard to under, understand what's what's going on like what is what is the plan what are they trying to do right now? And that's not clear right? <laughs> from an, from an outside perspective of what they're trying to do. They say the right things. They you know you talk to them after the game. You listen to their post post game media availabilities, or you know pre game. Or they're saying the right things. They're saying we need to be better. We need to have better starts. We need to to do this and do that, and then they don't do any of it. So. It's hard to say and, and you know I, I forget who it was. I, I think it was maybe Paul Byron or maybe even Ben Sherrat who said that you know when if we don't have a lead, we, we we don't play well. We need we play well when we have a lead and we take the advantage off the start. Then why aren't they emphasizing their starts? Their first 10 minutes against auto was awful. They had one shot in the first minute and they didn't have another one for 17 minutes. Like it, it's what are you focusing on? And, and maybe it's maybe they're being overloaded. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe they need to calm down and, and simplify things. I don't know. It's it's hard to judge this team because you don't know what they're working on. So you can't tell what's improving because everything looks like they're they're lost. And um, it's, it's makes it it makes it hard to to be optimistic, even the slightest bit optimistic, because you can't be like, oh, you know what? They're really doing this better. Because right now they're doing nothing better. Except exactly. Looking... <laughs> we, we,
0: we're looking at the power play. We're looking at the 5-on-5. Five five, we're looking at the box play or penalty kill, whatever you want to call it. Nothing really works.
1: No, the breakout, the nothing. Not There's not one thing you can look at, at this team and be like, yeah, you know what? That really looks like it's been better. And the weird thing is that all those things improved at a certain point. The power play used to look good. right When, when Alex Burroughs took over, the, the penalty kill got better the the breakout got better the the offense got better and and now nothing it it, that that's I think that's what's frustrating so many people right is that there's nothing to be like okay this team is looking better in this way or and there's it's like since Brendan Gallagher came out of the lineup it's like they they don't know what to do with themselves there's no one to like I don't know if it's motivate them or or what but it's just it almost seems like they're so, they're so mentally fragile that they, there's no one taking the lead, and they're all looking at each other to kind of take the lead. And then by the time the other team takes a one nothing lead, they're like, oh well, game over. And and that's that's not what they used to be like. And I wonder if it's just in their heads. And I, I think that I I think that a lot of it is. Because there's no physical reason why this team should be as bad as they look, right? There's, there's nothing, there's, there's no reason for that. So I, I think it's just, they're, they're in a bad spot right now. They're in a slump and they need something to get out of it. Whether it's uh, a, a couple of breaks or they need someone to step up or, um, I, I don't know. It, it, Brendan Gallagher breaking his thumb really, um, you know, broke the heart of this team. And, and I don't think there's any other way. Like, I, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but there's no other way to explain it. And it's kind of weird to say that. It's kind of weird to say that one player makes this much of a difference, but I don't know how else you explain it. And, and that's and that's what's frustrating from, from uh, a, a reporting perspective, from a viewing perspective, from a fan perspective. Um, no matter what you're looking at this from, a coaching perspective, from a playing perspective, all of it is frustrating, I'm sure. But it's it just seems like something is missing, and and it's, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's hard to say what it is, other than Gallagher. That's the only thing that changed. So I guess that's the only thing you can look at.
0: First and foremost, we're happy that that to hear that Gallagher doesn't need surgery on his thumb, and, and that was the only good news that came out of, of Montreal last night. Uh, but on the other hand, what does this mean for Ducharme's future? <laughs>
1: You know, it, it's it's a good question. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because so many people, when when Ducharme got the interim tag, was like, "Okay, weird." Then Mark Bergevin said, "You know, he's my guy." And so I think that it's it's funny because Mark Bergevin Ducharme's got a. Teacher- a-
0: foxhole buddy again and we know how that turned out (laughs) last time
1: well i i don't know i I don't think it's necessarily that i think you know you have to be confident that coach you hire but it's kind of weird because ducharme's future is linked to bergevin in terms of if bergevin stays ducharme will likely stay but on the other side bergevin's future is linked to how well ducharme coaches the rest of the season because if the team flames out or and you know goes out in the first round in four games or or loses you know or misses the playoffs altogether I don't think Berjum is necessarily safe so that means Ducharme's not safe and and vice versa whereas if Dusharm does well you know then Berjum is safe then he's safe but so it's it's kind of reverse in that the coach's future is almost more more important than the the coach's performance sorry is more important uh than the general manager's uh, Decision making because I think that if if everything stays the same, Bergevin remains in the position he's in. I think that Ducharme stays head coach of the Canadians. But if Ducharme doesn't get this team out of it, I don't know if even Bergevin is safe. So it's it's a weird situation. Then you have Joel Bouchard and Laval who is just there <laughs> as well. So and having a lot of success. So it, it's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic because. I think the only person who's really in charge of the, the future of this organization is Jeff Molson and whatever he decides will trickle down. And that's obvious, but I, th- I think that that's where the main decision comes into play.
0: And uh, yeah, and he won't make a decision until the end of the season. We're sure about that. Uh
1: well, I mean he could technically fire Mark Bergevin now. <laughs> the trade deadline's over, what's the GM gonna do? But I don't think he will. Well, let me let me let me be clear. I don't think he will, but he can. <laughs> but I again that, that doesn't change anything. What's a GM? Even if you fire the GM right now and hire somebody else, there's nothing they can do, right? Like the, until the end of the season. So what's the point in doing it and making a decision now? So just let it ride and, and see what happens. And you know who knows it's it's a it's a weird dynamic because of Joao bouchard that's that's the that's what makes this all awkward is that the ahl team has a lot more success right now than the nhl team and Joao bouchard signed a three-year contract three years ago so who who knows it's very it's very (laughs) strange and
0: and he speaks french
1: (laughs) well yes that that's the that's the obvious thing but yeah I, i think that it's it's weird because we don't know whether Joel Bouchard is the future head coach, future GM, future president. Like, we there, there's so many different directions that this team can go in, that it's it's really weird to kind of handicap, because who knows what's going to happen? It's very it's very it's very strange, where, where the, you... the coach the coach has more control over his future than the GM does, you... based on on how he performs.
0: You are obviously very in tune with the Rocket. You're, you're one of the go-to guys for the Rocket. Uh, Scott Matlay is the other one. Uh, and and uh, Andrew Sadranovsky is is sort of, you know, a, a guy a go-between because he, he knows the CBAs. So we all need that for, from time to time. But what is behind Joel Bouchard? We heard this a couple of years ago where, you know, we're going to build a community, we're going to build a a a channel for young French co- French-speaking coaches coming through the organization in order to get, you know, a, a a funnel more or less into the the main team because of the 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 rule that the the coach and GM will have to speak French. Yes. And what is yeah, behind so- Bouchard? Do we know that, or or is that some unknown?
1: Well, I think that there's there's in the short term because you only need one coach at a time, right? So, um, if Bouchard is the guy, and Ducharme even was being developed as well, right, next to Claude Julien. So, the the, the short term answer is it's Ducharme and Bouchard, and then but there's there's varying degrees to that because behind Bouchard right now you have Alex Burrows, who is being groomed as a coaching candidate. You have Daniel Jacob, who has worked with Bouchard even before he came to the the Canadians organization, he worked with him in in Braubriant. So right there, you have two young coaching candidates who can be either AHL head coach or uh, NHL assistant, or you know there, there's there's a there's already a, a pipeline there. But then you have the ECHL team that's going to start in Trois Rivieres. Um,
0: yeah, the team next team face.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so you have you have that team as well, where you have a third level where you can bring in a, a coach from the QMJHL or wherever, Europe even, who's you, you can have a third level of coaching development. So uh, in the short term, people are like, oh, who's next after Bouchard? It, it doesn't really matter because if Bouchard's the next guy, then you give him at least two, three years, then you have two, three years to find the next guy. So but but even saying that, I think that Daniel Jacob is is a clear candidate to take over the rocket. Even if Joel Bouchard gets hired by another NHL team or, or whatever, I think that Daniel Jacob is is a clear guy to take over the Rocket. I, I think Alex Burrows is a guy who maybe you know he's only in his second, uh, second or third years, uh, third years as as a coach in the organization. I, I think that he's maybe not necessarily uh, a head coach candidate yet, but he's already in the NHL, so he already had he definitely has some future there. So I think that there already is uh, some pipeline. There's there's Andre Tourigny. There's there's Guy Boucher. There's a lot of guys who are one step outside the Canadians organization that uh, are are coaching candidates as well. So I don't think that it all. Even if Bouchard gets hired by another organization, I don't think it's all downhill from here. I think that the set the setup is there to have Jacob come in and be a, an AHL head coach I think he's ready for that I think that the co- the players know who he is I, I think he can continue the work that Bouchard has started whether Bouchard gets a promotion somewhere else or in the Canadians organization and, and I think that Ducharme has a future as a head coach as well uh, it might not look like it right now but I, I do think that he's he, you know he's a good coach you don't win the Memorial Cup you don't win the the, the World Junior as a bad coach so I, I think that there's there's definitely a future there for Ducharme as well, even if there is a new general manager that comes in.
0: You mentioned Europe, and and we're going to finish off this segment or or this episode with with a little bit of uh, news from Europe. Uh, I just spoke to Matthias Norlander, and uh, he is part of the uh, national team that has a few warm-up games before the World uh, Championship starts, Uh, the World Championships that was moved from Belarus to Latvia. Uh, In full, Uh, and I think that uh, he was unsure uh, about his chances to to be part of the world championships, but he felt that it had taken a lot longer time to get back into the form that he was at the start of the season. Uh, So, but but he was there at the end, and at at the start of the season, he was part of the national team. The big thing with the world championships this year is how will NHL players and AHL players get into the teams because because there will be quarantine, there will be a bubble created, et cetera, et cetera. And and we don't know that. And this might actually enhance Norlander's chances to to, to be part of the world championship team. He played very well in in, uh, Frelunda, even if Frelunda crashed out. uh, He was the leading scorer, um, both in goals and points for the team in the playoffs. And that is something that we were expecting from from Norlander early on in the season, and we saw it at the start of the season. As Matthias himself said, uh, it took quite a bit of time to to get back to that after his injuries. He's looking forward to a summer, a summer full of training to build up more muscles and get more stable on the ice, even more stable because he really, really fancied himself in the corners right now. But it is another step up to the NHL and it really seems like Montreal is going to leave him in Frelunda for, for next year as well. Because he can't play in the NHL, let's be honest about that. And uh, we don't know how the how Mont- Montreal will, will be on the defensive side next year. And uh, with what we have seen from Matthias this year, I think that it's... Um, Better for him to be be part of a team that is maybe not an NHL team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you see the players who, you know, I, I people like to compare Romanov and Nolander a lot, right? Where as as prospects and you know because they are both Canadians prospects and and they both have um, different styles but similar outlooks, you know, in terms of a top four defender. But I, I think the things that Norlander has to learn are better learned away from the NHL <laughs> than than they would be in it. Uh, you so, you yeah. said it.
0: You said it a couple of times, and then I tried to reference you when when I said NHL is not a development league. Yeah, AHL is, uh, SHL is. In in many ways, sure, the coaches still want to win, but they also are aware of the fact that players will leave, especially young players that they are developing, will leave in order to join an NHL club at one point or another?
1: Yeah, you know, when we say NHL is not a development league, it's you can develop in the NHL, but you can't develop mistakes in the NHL. Like coaches won't, unless you're a re, really a rebuilding team and, you know, like like Ottawa, as an example, right? Ottawa is letting players develop in, in the NHL because they don't care if you make a mistake' it, it, they're, not, they're not trying to win right now. Um, if you're a team like Montreal right now, no there's no way that you can develop in the NHL so i, I think that that's you know that's where especially a, a skill set like norlander Romanov his his highest end skill is defending right like that that's that's what he's good at in skating and, and things like that, but you, you can trust him. You know, Norlander is kind of like, uh, you know, you don't want him to, his skill set is offense and and being, you know, jumping up into play. You don't make those mistakes in the NHL if you want to have a lot of ice time as a young player, right? So that, that's where it comes in w- with development and things like that. But, so different skill sets. Uh, and, and I think that's why one might be, and Romanov, Romanov has always been younger than Norlander in, in terms of being in a Canadian organization because Norlander was was drafted uh, a year after he was eligible
0: and also you have but, to remember that there is a SHL or a Swedish agreement with the NHL yeah. whereas there isn't one with Russia so you right. sort of had to make sure that Romanov knew that he's coming over and he's coming over to play because otherwise he' signed another two year contract with Ceska
1: yeah it, it, exactly there, there's that pressure as well so you know I see Norlander as kind of like he can come over when, when he comes over he's he's going to be Really close to the NHL, if not ready for the NHL, uh, and so that's you know it's better to leave him develop, you know, he, in in Sweden and you know come to the AHL and and you know there's contractual things as well where he can't necessarily go to the AHL. So yeah, I, I think that it's it's the safer look. We we talk about development a lot and rushing players. There's there's no rush, right? And you know it's not like the Canadians need. I mean, they might need somebody like Norlander right now, but they don't need Norlander right now in terms of somebody who, who can push the offense and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think it's the safe move to keep him in, in Sweden where uh, under one of the, the, the better coaches for, for development in the world, I would say. And
0: we're going to finish with that. Even Jared has bowed to Roger Rundberg's um, knowledge. Unfortunately, uh, there is uh, some kind of... Uh, Self-evaluation going on for, for Roger Rundberg after an early exit in the playoffs. Matthias Norlander is on the way to the Swedish national team. For um, the, Let's remember, there are four teams still playing the playoffs in the semifinals in SHL. Uh, there are a few defenders on Sesca in, in KHL. And there's also the NLA players because uh, in, in Switzerland. Uh, where you can grab players from. We're unsure about what's going to happen with the North American bros, but um, from my understanding is that Sweden might send a team that is uh, built around European players this year for the World Championships. Uh, It's been great talking to you, Jared. Thank you guys for listening. It was a longer episode than normal this time. We had a lot to talk about. Hopefully, we can see some improvements versus uh, Edmonton on Monday night
1: it um, can't be, sure can be to, much worse it yeah, can't well, can be that's much worse
0: true, that's true. be sure <laughs> to follow Eyes on the Price uh, read the articles leave, leave the comments and uh, interact with the community it's a quite nice community let's uh, face it and we are happy to be part of, of giving you the coverage of uh, Montreal Canadiens even when it's in did coverage uh, or should coverage on should game as of last night.